BAT partnered with North Korea to establish and operate a cigarette manufacturing business and relied on a network of financial facilitators linked to North Korea's WMD proliferation network. Global companies face unprecedented risks and challenges in today's economy. To mitigate these legal and economic risks, companies are rapidly embracing and elevating the importance of robust ethics and compliance programs to promote positive corporate citizenship. On Corruption, Crime and Compliance, you'll hear from industry leaders and insiders about how to create effective ethics and compliance programs that will mitigate risks and maximize financial performance. Here's your host, Michael Volkoff. Well, hello, this is Michael Volkoff and coming to you from sunny Sicily in Italy. Great to be here in the springtime in Sicily. It's beautiful here. Scheduled today to do a deep dive on the British American tobacco settlement for $629 million for violations of the North Korea sanctions program. An important case because DOJ, as I always say, they tell you what they're going to do in advance and then they do it. And no one should be surprised because the Justice Department warned companies that sanctions of enforcement against companies is the new FCPA. And recently they delivered their first salvo to back up this message. And as part of the broad effort to prosecute funding of North Korea's nuclear program, DOJ and the Office of Foreign Asset Control announced a joint settlement with British American Tobacco and its Asian marketing subsidiary, under which BAT agreed to pay combined penalties of $629 million stemming from its scheme to conduct business in North Korea through a third party in Singapore. In another action, DOJ unsealed criminal charges against a North Korean banker and Chinese facilitators, both from the Liaoning province, for their roles in the illicit sale of tobacco products in North Korea. BAT's Singapore subsidiary pled guilty to a one-count information charging BAT and its subsidiary with conspiracy to commit bank fraud and to violate sanctions. BAT entered into a Deferred Prosecution Agreement, or a DPA. OFAC announced a separate civil settlement with BAT under which BAT will pay a civil penalty of $508 million, the largest fine against a non-financial institution in OFAC's history. OFAC cited the fact that BAT and its subsidiary willfully conspired to transfer hundreds of millions of dollars through U.S. banks and were aware that the transfers were blocked by U.S. sanctions. BAT did not voluntarily disclose the conduct, and OFAC characterized BAT's violations as egregious under their assessment. OFAC also cited the fact that BAT tried to hide the transactions and payments through a complex remittance structure that relied on an opaque series of front companies. BAT's upper management had actual knowledge about the conspiracy. The settlements arose from BAT's conduct starting in 2007, when BAT spun off its North Korea sales business to a third-party company, claiming that it was no longer involved in North Korea tobacco sales. In reality, however, BAT continued to conduct business in North Korea through the third-party company, and BAT's subsidiary maintained control over all relevant aspects of the North Korean business. So between 2007 and 2017, BAT processed payments for 
tobacco sold to North Korean entities through the third-party company, totaling $418 million in U.S. dollars. To make the payments to BAT, North Korean purchasers used front companies so that U.S. banks would not know about the connection to North Korea. U.S. financial institutions processed at least 310 transactions worth approximately $74 million, and the transactions resulted in an estimated $700 million in revenue for the North Korean manufacturers, one of which was owned by the North Korean military. And cigarette trafficking generates significant revenue for North Korea's WMD program. In addition, counterfeit cigarettes are a major source of income to the North Korean regime, since smuggled tobacco products generate revenue of up to $20 for every dollar spent in cost. The U.S. State Department also announced a $5 million reward for Defendant Sim and a reward of $500,000 for the other two Chinese defendants, respectively, for information leading to the capture of these charged defendants. Defendant Sim was designated as a specially designated national on April 24, 2023. BAT cooperated with the investigation by suspending the statute of limitations, providing detailed document productions, and prompt responses to OFAC requests. Under the OFAC settlement, BAT agreed to maintain sanctions compliance measures for the next five years, including by ensuring its management promotes a culture of compliance. BAT must also conduct an OFAC risk assessment, maintain written compliance policies and procedures, conduct internal and external audits, train its staff, and submit an annual compliance certification. So let's dig into the facts a little bit more on this important enforcement action because we're going to see more companies prosecuted or with settlement agreements involving DOJ prosecutions. And this is something that the administration has warned the business community that sanctions enforcement against companies are going to start to resemble FCPA-type settlements as well or enforcement actions. So British American Tobacco's deceit and elevation of business over compliance permeates this blockbuster settlement for $629 million. The BAT settlement really confirms DOJ's new aggressive approach to sanctions and export enforcement and OFAC's imposition here of a $508 million penalty is equal to the statutory maximum that they would have been allowed to collect. For compliance professionals, the VAT scheme is interesting to review because of its elaborate use of front companies and attempts to disguise North Korean connections. VAT partnered with North Korea to establish and operate a cigarette manufacturing business and relied on a network of financial facilitators linked to North Korea's WMD proliferation network. So going back in time in 2001, BAT Singapore subsidiary, and it was called British American Tobacco Marketing, BATM we'll call it, and a North Korean company, North Korea Tobacco Company, NKTC, formed a joint venture in North Korea to manufacture and sell cigarettes. BAT held a 60% stake in the joint venture and provided supplies, equipment, tobacco, and other material called kit sets needed to manufacture and sell cigarettes. In 2007, BAT's senior executives approved a scheme whereby BAT's subsidiary would sell its stake in the joint venture to a Singapore-based trading group, and that's called Company One, for one euro. That should send a red flag right there that this was a 
sort of uh, window dressing transaction. For one euro, due to its concerns over its public association with North Korea and difficulty extracting profits earned from North Korea. The divestment purposefully obscured BAT's continued control and ownership over the joint venture. Indeed, Company One understood it would act, quote, as a vehicle for BAT to bring out the joint venture's money and distribute back to BAT, close quote. BAT continued to exercise control over the joint venture through restrictions in the sales agreement, including the right to reacquire its stake in the joint venture for, you guessed it, a payment of one euro. BATM continued to receive payment for kit sets and other goods and services provided to the joint venture. Now, senior managers at BAT understood that BAT continued to control the joint venture and the substitution of the new company. The 50% JV owner was only designed to ensure that BAT could extract funds from North Korea business operations. With a 50-50 split of equity coupled with an option to purchase additional equity along with restrictive provisions, in combination, BAT continued to exercise control of the joint venture. And BAT only wanted to create an appearance that it no longer conducted business in North Korea, but by rearranging the deck chairs like ownership and using a Singapore-based subsidiary, BAT retained effective control. So between 2009 and 2016, the North Korean company remitted joint venture profits, including payments to BAT's Singapore subsidiary, through a complex system that involved both OFAC-sanctioned Foreign Trade Bank, which was FTB, and Korea Kwangson Banking Corporation, KKBC. And they basically were front operations that eventually both became, were designated by OFAC as SDNs because of their connection to the facilitation scheme. That scheme was fairly straightforward when mapped on paper, but involved several critical steps to disguise the source of revenues. So a BAT subsidiary, BAT-M, shipped goods, primarily cigarette components, to the joint venture in care of the front company, which was Company One. BAT-M invoiced Company One for the goods. Company One sent the invoice to an employee at the North Korean tobacco company, NKTC, the joint venture partner. NKTC then made payments in U.S. dollars to Company One for the invoice amount, often using a Chinese front company to process the payment. And Company One separately then made payments to BAT-M in the same amount minus a small percentage commission. And this scheme continued until 2016. Beginning in 2007, NKTC, through its banks, KKBC and FDB, regularly used the Chinese front companies to process the payments between NKTC and Company One to disguise the North Korean connection to the payments. Now, OFAC cited multiple, and in quotes, multiple internal memos and emails showing that BAT managers in Asia knew as early as 2005 that they may be violating sanctions. Even after OFAC designated KKBC and FTB, BAT continued to rely on KKBC and FTPB as part of the financial network used to disguise the sources and connection to North Korea. OFAC stated that company employees, quote, sought to conceal their apparently violative conduct from banks, close quote, including by letting a wire transfer expire rather than respond to a question from a bank 
that would have, quote, revealed the payment's connection to North Korea, close quote. As another example of BAT's knowledge of its ongoing illegal activity, on December 29, 2014, VATM's bank raised questions to Company One's bank about a pending wire transfer. VATM conferred with Company One on how to respond to questions about the origins of Company One's funds sent to VATM and request for documentation. A Company One employee advised that they should send the bank the sales invoice rather than the shipping document because the former, quote, will not show DPRK, close quote. The same Company One employee noted that, quote, nevertheless, we will be caught under question four, close quote, referring to another question about the origin of funds and alternatively suggested that they just withdraw the wire request and try another bank. In perhaps what I would call the understatement of the year, OFAC noted that this enforcement matter, quote, demonstrates that without a culture of compliance, Driven by senior management and attendant policies and controls, firms increase the risk that they may engage in apparently violative conduct. Senior management decisions to approve or otherwise support arrangements that obscure dealings with sanctioned countries and parties can be reflected throughout an organization, compounding sanctions risks and increasing the likelihood of committing potential violations. Close quote a fair statement if there ever was one about the complete absence of a culture of compliance because the facts here show that British American Tobacco at the senior level, at the most senior level, was knowledgeable and pushed this scheme for one purpose and one purpose only, to continue making money from cigarette sales to North Korea. So that's The latest action here on the export controls front and the sanctions enforcement, we're going to see more cases like this this year and keep posted, keep in touch because we'll have more podcasts about those as they occur. But watch, this should be an interesting year when it comes to sanctions and export control enforcement. If you enjoyed this episode, the best way to support the show is by subscribing on your favorite listening platform. To learn more and connect with Michael Volkov, go to volkovlaw.com. 